0: The next talk is on forecasting research results by Eva Vivald. Eva is a research fellow and assistant professor at the Australian National University, and Dr. Vivald's main research interests is in investigating obstacles to evidence-based policy decisions, including methodological issues and the way evidence is interpreted. Um, and something I personally think is really cool. uh, She is also a principal investigator on the basic income RCT being run by Y Y Combinator Research. And Dr. Vivald, any moment now.
1: (laughs) Hi, hi, thanks for having me here. So I'm very excited to be presenting on predicting results in the social sciences. And just to help motivate this a little bit, I've got a thought experiment for you. So suppose you're a policymaker and you're trying to decide which of two programs to support, cash transfers or school meals programs. And your goal is to improve enrollment rates in school. Now, this is a little bit of a funny example because we have a lot of RCTs on both of these two things. It's kind of the best-case scenario. Nonetheless, you may think that results are going to be different in your particular context, and you're very unlikely to have an RCT done in your context. Even if you have one, you know, it's already been done in the past, and the situation is still going to be different. So just uh, out of curiosity here, how many people have heard about external validity? Great. OK, so I don't need to go too much into that. Um, but essentially, there's this worry that your existing studies um, may not be perfectly informative. Um, results may not extrapolate very well from one setting to another. And in some past work, I've actually found that um, using a database of impact evaluations um, that if you use the existing evidence base and try to predict the effect of one particular that one study will find, um, you can expect to be off by more than 100%. So you know the effect is X plus or minus X. Um, that's not very encouraging. Um, so what can we do in this situation? Well, this is a figure from um, one of my collaborators, Stefano Vigna and Devin Pope. Um, They ran an experiment on Amazon's Mechanical Turk where they asked people um, essentially to press ABABAB as fast as they possibly can, and they incentivized them using these different kinds of incentive schemes. Um, So for example, um, you'll be paid an extra one cent uh, for every 100 points you get with a four weeks delay, or you'll be paid an extra one cent for every 100 points with a two weeks delay, and so on. And this was a really nice experiment because it allowed them to back out some things like time preferences, which, you know, a lot of behavioral economists have some idea of what those should be. Um, And then they asked people to predict these things without showing them the results. This was ex ante predictions. Um, And so you can see the forecasts, those orange squares, and the actual effort, those uh, dark blue circles... Some of them were given, the ones in bold are given as examples to help benchmark um, these. And what you can see is, well, and these are just averages, um, that while obviously there's a difference between where those orange squares are and the dark blue dots, um, there still seems to be some correlation there, okay? And um, my belief is that so long as priors are at least somewhat informative, then it's worth gathering them and trying to use them to add an additional source of information to our decision-making process. And this can be especially useful when we don't have an RCT. Remember that example I gave you of cash transfers and school meals programs. That's We have a lot of evidence on that. But the situation is a lot more dire for most of the things that we care about. So to this end... Um, one of uh, the things that we've been doing is to set up this uh, social science prediction platform uh, to gather ex ante researcher beliefs about the effects of various interventions. So you can think of this as the effects of a cash transfer program or the effects of a certain behavioral treatment or whatever you prefer to consider. But these are things that are tied to research results. Um, So this is uh, Stefano and this is me. I should say that we are interested in um, many different things as well. So I'll talk a a little bit later about some of the other uses um, that this can have. Um, Just the thought experiment is perhaps the example that might resonate most with this audience. Okay, but you know we've got different research interests as well is what I'm trying to say. So we're trying to build the centralized platform to forecast research results in the social sciences. And these forecasters, you can think of them um, not necessarily just as researchers, but policy makers or politicians, the general public. Who exactly gets asked depends on the project itself. Um, so, for example, as was mentioned, I'm one of the PIs on Y Combinator's basic income project. For that project, it's actually really important to get the priors of the general public as well um, because it's a highly policy-relevant um, study. Now, what types of priors do we mean? We mean century treatment effects here. Um, so. Will this conditional cash transfer program improve enrollment rates by five percentage points, six percentage points, et cetera? And we're also interested in distributions of priors, not just your best guess, but also um, your uncertainty and your whole distribution of priors. Um, That's not to say these are the only things we're going to be gathering. There's certainly also some interest in some more binary types of measures. So um, Dean Carlin, who is also involved um, is certainly an advocate um, of asking policymakers, you know, will it work or not? Because uh, that question might be one that policymakers might um, find more intuitive. Um, But, you know, ideally we'd like this more finely grained thing as well, right? Um, Especially for researchers. Now... I think there's an argument to be made for taking priors seriously and this might seem like almost a step backwards because the reason why we do RCTs in the first place is because we know that sometimes we're wrong. Um, So why am I suggesting we're still using priors? Um, Well ultimately I think people do know a lot. Um, So this uh, image of this glacier is trying to represent that um, There's actually a whole wealth of information that people are using to come to some certain um, decision or some kind of belief um, that they hold. And people naturally aggregate this information, right? Um, Now, this can be really important because the world is very messy. So this is a figure from a paper... um, Remember, I was re- referencing earlier this external validity problem, where um, different interventions can have different effects on different outcomes in different contexts. So here's just a sense of some of that variation using standardized values. So this is you can think of in terms of standard deviations if you like. Um, and um, there's quite a lot of variation. Most things overlap with one another. So, generally speaking, you're not able to say that one intervention is necessarily better at achieving a particular outcome than others. Um, Now, obviously, these are limited to development. You might think um, that there's still some differences, say, between uh, developing country-type interventions versus developed country interventions versus um, AI or whatever else. Um, So, fair enough. That said, there's quite a lot of variation. And the issue is you can't actually try to model this because there's not gonna be enough data to support your model. So what I would love is to be able to say, well, this conditional cash transfer um, had this effect in this context because um, it was, um, implemented in a place where baseline enrol- enrollment rates were really low, um, and this amount was given in the cash transfer, they had this, con- these conditions, um, it was implemented by the government, and lists out a whole range of reasons why I think this program had- will have this effect in this area, and this other one had a different effect because of whatever other reasons. But there are just too many reasons and not enough studies to model this very well. If you try to do a meta-regression, you're going to end up with something, you know, in the. Um, Um, In the typical case, you know, you'd be really lucky to get even five studies on a particular intervention. You'd be super lucky, and yet what can you do with five studies, right? You try to run some kind of meta regression with five observations, essentially, and literally hundreds of explanatory variables. You can't do that, right? You'd be overfitting. So we need some other way of um, trying to get some information, and this is where I think priors can be informative that people themselves naturally aggregate up some of that information for you. Think of that, you know, glacier example, all right? So that's only one of the potential benefits of collecting priors. it, they can also help us answer many other types of research questions. So, for example, in some earlier work with Aidan Koval of the World Bank, we found that policymakers had systematically higher priors and more dispersed priors than researchers. Essentially, policymakers were pretty confident that a program would work, but, you know, they, they, I mean, they didn't really know where it was, but they were sure that it was greater than zero. Whereas researchers thought that programs were not going to work, and they were very sure that it wasn't going to work. Um, So you can get some um, interesting results um, for a large number of research questions. Priors can also help to actually improve the accuracy of forecasts. You can start to say things like, who is making the best forecasts? Um, Most of you have probably gone to the earlier talk this morning um, with Phil Tetlock, who's obviously done a lot of work in this um, Area on super forecasters, right? Um, they can also help to improve research design. So imagine you're designing a study, and you might say, "Well, look, I've got all these outcomes I could put on this survey." But I've got to prioritize them. I can't ask people hundreds and hundreds of questions. I really need to focus on certain kinds of outcomes. So if nothing else, you can use priors to say, well, look, these are the outcomes that are most important to get repeated measures on. Taking a step back, you can think, well, look, ideally, you can use priors to also determine which kinds of interventions you even study in the first place. These are the ones where um, we can predict them pretty well ex ante, and these are the ones where we actually truly need an RCT, where the value of information is particularly high. Um, Finally, we think it can mitigate publication bias, uh, because ultimately, um, if you have a null result, so you've done your study, um, you find that the confidence interval overlaps with zero. Lots of times, journals are reluctant to publish that. They'll say, well, it's just not very interesting, unfortunately. Um, So hopefully, if you collect ex-ante priors, you can say, well, no, look, this zero is actually interesting. You thought there would be an effect, and there isn't one. So um, there's all these reasons we suspect there's probably more reasons that you can think of out there, um, so this is not supposed to be an exhaustive list. Um, nonetheless, it's well worth doing. And there is actually a huge literature um, on forecasts. Um, one of the reasons behind our building this platform is that we're observing a lot of development economists, especially, and behavioral economists, and even others, collecting these ex-ante forecasts of their own research projects. And we're a little bit worried, you know, if we don't have a platform to do this in a sort of centralized way, um, what will happen in the future when literally hundreds of researchers want to do this? Because, you know, it is um, incentivized for them in a way. If they're worried, well, maybe I'll get null results, i better collect some ex-ante priors. Many, many people are doing this now. So if we can have some kind of coordination, um, then that will help uh, mitigate and spread out the burden of actually giving forecasts um, to avoid the situation where one person is bombarded with, you know, a thousand requests to give predictions and just says, oh, I'll give up on this. Like, if we want this to become a disciplinary norm to do this, we've got to do this a little bit more intelligently. Um, There's also, of course, a lot of parallels with some of the other Uh, projects in this area, so the science prediction markets, the Good Judgment Project. Um, DARPA score you might not have heard of as much. Um, That is an effort right now to gauge the uh, replicability of studies. So while I said that we're interested in mostly treatment effects, they're interested in um, will a certain project, uh, will a certain result replicate or not? Will it be significant or not? Um, So you know we're trying to talk with all these guys and coordinate where we can coordinate um but there's certainly quite a lot of work that's now uh, becoming um it's becoming a bigger uh, topic area so as i say a platform can help to um solve this coordination problem i think it's really valuable for that reason alone it also allows us to track individual forecasters over time and build a panel uh, so we can tell whether certain individuals are better or worse at forecasting. Um, also for researchers, this allows a sort of third-party certification that they gathered these ex-ante priors. Um, so we think that researchers want to use this for different reasons. So there is one set of researchers who uh, wants to use this to help actually design their study better for optimal design purposes. And yet there's another set of researchers who um, want this so that they can, um, if they have no results, say, well, look, but it's still interesting. Now, those two groups are going to want to see these priors at different times. If you're going to change the design of your experiment, you want to see those priors before you've run your experiment, before you've finished designing your experiment. If you want to be able to say something like, I ran this thing... I ran all the analyses. Here are my results. And I didn't peek at the priors. So I didn't engage in any p hacking or specification searching. Um, then you actually want to see these priors later on. So this provides a mechanism to get a time stamped, you know, third party view of when actually you got those priors in a transparent way that everyone can see. Okay. Now, as we're starting this, there's a lot of questions we still need to answer about how to do this, you know, appropriately. Um, and we don't want to mess it up, so we're starting really slowly. Um, as an aside in some, uh, past work, uh, that I did, uh, with aid grade, uh, if any of you are familiar, you know, I think I almost, you know, ran before able, being able to walk in a sense, um, and trying to push it too far too fast. Whereas economics is a very slow discipline. And to have the most buy-in, we're trying to move about this in a method- methodical way. Um, so we're iterating over time, um, and building this up very slowly. But we've got some initial research questions that we want to answer in the process of building up this platform. So first, what are the best ways, in fact, to elicit forecasts? Um, what's the typical accuracy of different types of forecasters? Um, and you can imagine that different forecasters will have different types of expertise, not just you know, uh, more junior to more senior, um, not just vertical expertise, but also expertise in certain topic areas. So to what extent does that matter? Actually, in some earlier work that Stefano and Devin did, they found that expertise didn't matter too much for the questions they were interested in. They asked full professors and grad students and everyone in between. They also asked MTurk workers themselves what they thought those uh, the effects of those different behavioral treatments would be in that MTurk experiment of pressing ABAB. And um, they found basically no difference (laughs) between these different groups. Nonetheless, it's possible that in other contexts, um, for certain types of questions, domain expertise could be very valuable. So here, um, we heard a little bit this morning, well, maybe um, for some of these AI type questions, it's better to get AI experts, say. Um, So there may be something like that that will Prove to be relevant for our platform and then we are also interested in to what extent we can debias forecasts because the forecasts themselves might be inaccurate to begin with but if we can improve them in some way um, either by extremizing or running some kind of machine learning algorithm on them um, so that we can remove some of the biases there then great we can do even you know a step better than just using the naive priors that people give okay so, timeline here. We had a workshop hosted at Berkeley in December to get some early feedback, and we were trying to bring a lot of academics to the table there. So it was actually a really excellent group, like Colin Kammerer, um loads and loads of people. Um, and right now, based on that feedback, we've been revising this beta version of the website. Um, one of the main things we're trying to do at the moment is to integrate Qualtrics into it, which is um, a survey software that a lot of researchers use. Uh, because we want to make it easy for people to use and therefore um, if we use Qualtrics then a lot of researchers will be quickly able to upload their surveys. And also, if we use Qualtrics, um, they've got an API, so it makes the distribution uh, problem a lot easier. You know, we can just automatically send out the surveys to the appropriate groups, um, automatically get the results back and automatically push them up to the website whenever um, we need to. Ultimately, in the end, we hope that we'll also be able to get the um, results of those individual studies uploaded to the site. We can see how people update their beliefs based on that, and so it'll be also very interesting to see biases and updating. So later this year, we're going to have a call for proposals um, for research projects to be featured on the site. Remember, I said we're starting really slow. We actually, you know, are doing that strategically. Um, So we want to start um, with just a few projects. I'll say more about that in a second. And those projects will be featured on the site while it's still in beta mode. And, you know, after that, we'll be expanding the site and opening it up for anybody with any project that they want to be predicted. So here's my little call for proposals. Um, Right now, we're focused on social science projects. And these have to be um, research projects. So um, ideally, experiments. Um, these are um, things where we want we want these to be ex ante predictions, so the project can't yet have results. We're going to be prioritizing particularly large, important projects, which are hard to replicate because we see there being you know a lot more value to getting predictions for those ones. And there's also a short-term e- emphasis on projects that will be complete within three years, um, just because you know we're trying to get all the pieces of this moving. Um, That's not to say that we're not interested in the longer term. We're very interested in the longer term. Um, But, um, you know, we got to start somewhere, so we'll start with that. Okay, so just to sum up, um, you can go to the site and check it out if you want. It's a very beta version. I'll also say, you know, I had a call for proposals mostly geared to researchers. However, if you're interested in giving forecasts, that's also super valuable to us, right? Um, So please, you can either sign up on the site, you can also contact me directly, and I can hook you up with the site as it evolves. Right now, um, as I say, it's still work in progress, but I'm very optimistic that, um, you know, certainly by the end of the year, we'll have a um, Qualtrics integration and have a pretty full version of that point. Um, So, yeah, so I'll leave it there and open this up for questions. Thank you.
0: So if you have any questions, it looks like on the app... Nobody has entered any. Has anybody tried to and had a tech glitch? So if you go to the BizVo app, lower right-hand corner, polls, select Eva, and enter that in. Um, Only we are miked, so the recording will not capture questions if they're not spoken into the mic. So if a brave soul would like to come up and speak into the microphone their question, you can ask the first question. Everybody else can enter um, on the polls section of the app, unless something's already there. Oh, brave soul, here you go. (laughs) <laughs> uh, isn't it kind of worrying that the e- the Econ professors didn't do better than the M Like
1: <laughs> Oh, I have a mic. Right. Um yeah, so I'm of two minds about this. On the one hand, you would hope that the econ professors would do better. On the other hand, you could argue that the MTurk workers had domain expertise in being an MTurk worker and could, you know, think about the studies that they had previously worked on and what they would do. So, um, I think, you know, that's maybe not the fairest of tests. Maybe, you know, you could have just an impartial general public type of audience versus, um, a pr- full professor or whatnot.
0: And if you have another question, please enter it into the app and then I will read it because it'll be more efficient. But here you go. Um, what about cases where people have the exact op- opposite intuition to what actually happens? I know we have some of these effects in social psychology, for example.
1: Yeah. So that's a great point. I mean, there's certainly this danger like, of relying more on priors when people can certainly get it wrong. Um, so I guess my overall hunch would be so long as we can, generally speaking, get it you know, better than not, then that's great. And if it turns out that people are, um, you know, actually on average worse at making a prediction, like they predict the wrong thing, um, hopefully we'll learn that um, and we'll be able to say, well, let's like do something different or maybe not use these priors in that case, you know, in that state of the world. So hopefully that's a thing that we can measure.
0: Thanks. Well, I continue to not see things on the app. So is there one more? Are you trying to enter it? Is there an issue? Oh, yay, it is not working. Um, Last question, if somebody wants to run up and ask a thing. (laughs) Uh, I was just going to ask, like, are there characteristics of types of areas where people's intuitions tend to be better that we know about? Or, like, could this platform help identify those types of areas, perhaps?
1: Yeah, so I definitely think that this platform can help to identify those areas. Um, what are those areas? Um, I don't have a full answer for you at this point. Um, my own intuitions would be areas where um, there is actually a large distribution in the effects that a program will have. Or um, if you're making a comparison against zero, the relevant thing would be, you know, is this, what is the the mean effect of this actual program? Is it actually very close to zero? It'll be harder to see if it's better than zero or not. So those kinds of considerations, I would say, like broadly speaking, would be important. Um, yeah, otherwise I'm not sure. I mean, anecdotally, you, you certainly hear that um, areas where people have strong, um, um, beliefs that are tied to their identity, they may be more, you know, resistant to new information and may make uh, the wrong decisions, yeah. But hopefully we'll learn that through the platform. So I'll be able to say this in much more detail in a couple years.
0: Thank you. And are you hosting office hours? Or are you going to be somewhere if people have more questions? Yeah, I
1: have office hours right after this, so we can continue the discussion. All right. Thank you all. There's...